Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Hardy Realty Show on Rome Business Radio. I'm Roger Maness with Rome Business Radio. We broadcast from the Hardy Realty Studios, and we work in cooperation with the Rome News Tribune. And our Hardy Realty representative on this month's episode is Molly Steves. Hi, Molly. How are you? Hi, Roger. How are you? What's going on? It's a busy time in Rome, Georgia. <laughs> Buying and selling houses, plus all the community stuff you all guys do at Hardy. <laughs> yes. Into school, people moving to Rome, people leaving, all that stuff. Yeah. Uh, I think this is the first time we've done this face-to-face. We, we, you did a Zoom with us before, right? I did, back, yes. Back when the everybody was Zooming. Yes. Uh, hopefully Zooming is waning as the world gets back to normal, thankfully. Uh, would you mind introducing our guest here, please? Yes. I'd love to introduce Tracy Ball with the Open Door Home. And Barbara Beninato with the Rome Symphony Orchestra. Hello, ladies. Hi. Hi. Good to be here. It's ladies night. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> oh, yes, it's ladies, ladies night. Um, I'm dating myself with that music reference. Uh, so welcome to the show. Appreciate you, you being here. I want to sing Hardy's praises, as we often do. They, we, we, they use this platform to celebrate the good things going on in our community. Uh, it's not a, we're not talking Prices of housing, <laughs> uh, although we will give your contact information at the end, Molly, in case somebody wants to buy or sell something, you know, we will we'll certainly will do that. Uh, but ladies, if you could, just a couple of minutes off the top of the show here for each of you, just tell us a little bit about your organization, what it, what you do, a little bit of the history, maybe anything coming up. Uh, Tracy, we'll start with you. Sure. Um, I'm Tracy Baum, the executive director of the Open Door Home. We are a residential facility where we house Youth aged 12 to 21 who are currently in foster care. We also have a runaway and homeless youth program for kids aged 12 to 18. Okay, and where are you based? Um, we're based right here out of Rome. Uh, in West Rome, we have um, two separate houses for boys and girls. Um, and then we have two ILP houses, um, which are, are independent living. And it's interesting. I, I went to your website briefly, and I remember being struck by something. The The organization is 100 years old or something, right? 95, yeah, yes. And, and, <laughs> but was it the orig- origin at some point? Uh, children lost in the wake of prohibition and, and – Yes, <laughs> yes. And what, what was that, what's that story? Um, I, I don't recall exactly, but – Well, it was um, created in 1927 during prohibition, and so it was for families – kids and mothers whose husbands went to, to jail. jail. That's right. <laughs> uh, I, I knew there was something there I wanted yeah. to touch on. Okay, great. We will circle back around to you. And Barbara with Rome Symphony Orchestra, tell us a little bit about your organization, which is old as it also. Yeah, we're celebrating 100 years, 1921 to 2021. And so we're into our second century. And we're the um, only professional orchestra in Northwest Georgia um, we're very proud of that, and our mission is to inspire, educate, and entertain at a professional level for our community. Wow, that was well said. And, <laughs> and it's the oldest symphony in the South. Yes. Really? Well, yeah, it's the oldest one in the South. Okay, and Molly, you're on the board of both? I am. So, so <laughs> any, any favorites? <laughs> um, they are both near and dear to my heart. Um, it's amazing that both of these organizations have been around for almost 100 years and 101 years. Um, Rome, Georgia is quite sophisticated, you know, to think about that and that they're both still around. So that's really amazing. So I, I know there were some things going on to honor your centennial. Um, yes. As we tape this on May the 5th, there is an event May the 7th, correct? We are having an event on May 7th that's um, featured around the Kentucky Derby. So it'll be our day at the races, a night at the symphony. 
is what we're calling it. And um, it's to celebrate our 100 years and pay homage and honor to some of our um, long-standing citizens and musicians that are still around with us. And it's also a, a fundraiser because that's constantly what we're trying to do is raise money so that we can pay our professional musicians and our conductor. And um, we have a, a kickoff for the capital campaign. It's the first time we've done a capital campaign in the history of the symphony. Um, we're trying to raise a million dollars. We're almost at 100000 right now, even before we kind of go public with it um, at this event on Saturday. And that is to hopefully um, assure our future so that we can continue it's, instead of doing events or trying to bring in money monthly and pay out monthly, it's going to give us a little bit of a cushion so that we can do some really good programming, hire an executive director and an administrative assistant that we desperately need. Um, I serve on the board of directors as secretary, but I'm also the full-time administrative assistant in the office. And um, we just need to have somebody else in there. <laughs> For sure. Yeah, of course. But um, I'm curious, you mentioned your professional musicians. What? Uh, Tell me about the symphony itself. How is it constructed? Are these we we have strings, we have our brass, we have our wind, we have our percussion, um, just a full symphonic orchestra. Um, a lot of our musicians are local. They teach at the Berry College, Shorter College, at the high school level. They do private lessons, but most of them have an advanced degree in musical performance for their instrument. Um, we have a lot of musicians that travel between Chattanooga, Huntsville, and Rome to perform with the Huntsville Symphony the Chattanooga Symphony, and our own Rome Symphony Orchestra. And um, it's just a great group of people. Some of them are new in the last couple of years, and some have been with the organization for almost the, the 30 years that I've been with it. So it's been a really fun to get to know the musicians. And, and how many concerts do you do a year? We do five a year. We would like to do a few more, maybe six or seven, but right now with our budget, we do five a year. So we have one coming up, um, our last one for the 22 20 the 21-22 season will be on June 11th. That's our traditional outdoor concert that we have at Darlington. It's a partnership with them. And um, it's kind of like a Chastain Park. People bring their beverage of choice and their food and their picnics, and we set up tables. And it's just a really lovely atmosphere, and it's a fun, lighthearted kind of um, symphony. And then we'll start our 22-23 season in September, and that will go through June of 2023. And we have a great lineup for that, our conductor Jeffrey Dawkins has really um, expanding what we do and how we do it, and and it's going to be exciting. It's interesting you refer to it as beverage of choice. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> I would imagine that's a subjective thing for yes. most people. Yes. Uh, so you actually you mentioned funding, and I want to touch on that with Tracy as well. Tracy, how are you guys funded at Open Door? So um, we have several funding sources. The main one being a contract with the Department of Human Services, and okay. so we're contracted um, to provide shelter, food for the kids. We also have um, several federal grants as well as state grants. And, of course, the community always wraps themselves around Open Door. So we've been very blessed with donations from local community. So you take donations from businesses and individuals? Absolutely. And how, like, how many kids are we talking about are, are, are served and, and helped by you guys? Normally it's about 35 a year. Okay. Um, and that is because we you know can only house certain number per um, every day. And then, um, some of our kids stay for a couple of months. Um, we've had kids to stay, you know, over six years. So it just all depends on, 
um, the parents and how quickly they can work through a case plan. How long have you been affiliated with the organization and how did you get affiliated? So I started in November of 2019. Um, yes, three months before the pandemic. So that was fun. <laughs> well, some would say it was already going around. Uh, I well, know a lot of people had the flu then, but right, anyway. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So I I was born and raised in Rome. I've worked at um, in mental health and child welfare at the local defects, and so I've always known about the open door home. And um, where I was working before, I saw this um, job opening, and I thought, you know, that's a, that's a great fit. Um, I've always admired the organization with the leadership that's been here before, and so um, it just seemed perfect for me. Molly, how did you get involved? I was asked to be on the board either 2016 or 2017 um, by my godmother, who was a long-standing um, board member. And um, and we were so thankful when Tracy came on board. She's done an amazing job, especially through the pandemic. Can't imagine, you know, having children in two, two separate homes and making sure. Oh, yeah outbreaks and you know those kinds of things didn't happen and they've done an incredible job so we're so glad to have tracy on board yeah tell us about that headache what that must have been for you guys oh well when everybody else was you know posting tiktoks about working from home and boredom we did not have that i don't know if i would call it a luxury but we were not able to do that because we're a a residential facility so we had to keep our staff 24 7 meaning they also went home and back to the home. And so with the schools shutting down just one day, we got the call, like no more school. And so we had to keep the kids entertained. We had to keep them safe and healthy. And we had to make sure that the staff were safe and healthy too. Um, Fortunately for us, we were able from the beginning of March when everything shut down, we did not have a positive COVID case with our youth until school started back. So thankfully, you know, the staff really took heed on making sure that they were not bringing anything in. And um, it it was um, interesting, but we, we had a lot of fun. Like We kept the kids busy. We had lots of activities. Um, the community would donate things for us to, to do to make sure that we could uh, entertain them in the homes because they're all teenagers. So that was fun. Barbara, were you guys interrupted by COVID? We were. Um, yeah, we couldn't um, have several concerts. So we did a couple of them by um, remote Zoom, I guess you would say, and that worked out. But um, we were able to pay um, our musicians for the concerts that we had to cancel. I'm not sure we paid them at the full scale, but we did give them some compensation. So we were fortunate in that sense. And I'm the only one in the office, so I was able to go in and you know do my thing. And um you know, which was a lot of computer work and a lot of Zoom meetings with the board and things like that. So, yeah, we were very fortunate in that sense also. But you guys are back at it. We are back at it, yes. Face-to-face face, face yeah. face or ear to yeah. horn. Yeah. We, we brought in, um, of course, our musicians wore masks unless they were blowing into an instrument and they couldn't. But then we had plexiglass shields that um, Barry College was very um, gracious and let us borrow for several concerts to put them up so that um, – aerosols wouldn't go out on top of our violin players and things like that. We just did a lot of whatever we could to keep it going and it worked out well. You said you've been involved for 30 years. I think I went on the board in 1992, about two years after we moved here. 
Okay. So <laughs> obviously a labor of love. Yes. <laughs> so what attracted you to not only get involved, but stay involved? Well, Ira Levy invited and Libby Levy invited my husband and I to a concert and there was a squeaky clarinet in the section. And I thought, oh my goodness, these people need my money. (laughs) We've got to be able to hire better musicians. So that was kind of the start of it. And then um, I retired from my position um, in laboratory medicine and in about 98 and didn't have anything to do. So I started helping out in the office and then there were some transitions there. And so I just kind of ended up being the little administrative assistant up there for a couple of executive directors. And um, then uh, just before the pandemic, I think about a year before, um, we lost both our executive director and administrative assistant. And so I was called back in to come after a little bit of a two-year hiatus and and, um, get things back in working order. So how are you guys funded? What do you need from our listeners? Well, a lot of it is through season ticket sales um, and um, our subscription series. Um, we have in the past done what we call an annual fund. Um, we're changing a little bit about that, how we do that. Um, and so this capital campaign is really the first time that we've had that initiation to bring in a big source of money. We do have a woman on our board who helps us with grants. We've had some local success with grants. Um, we have applied for one through I believe it's the Georgia Council for the Arts that's called a bridge grant that we're waiting to hear from in June. And um, then sponsorships from businesses, and we do program ad sales and whatever we can to get people. We have a great uh, following of patrons that help us. So, and as a symphony, this is, I know this is a stupid question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. We're talking classical music. We're talking. Not necessarily. Okay. Not necessarily. <laughs> Jeffrey Dawkins has done a great job of doing. Um, something for everybody we've had um movie night where we played um music from different movies like star trek and uh pirates of the caribbean and um raiders of the lost raiders of the lost ark and that type of thing and for this coming season he's got a great lineup um our first concert is going to be in september and it's called symphonic circus and we are bringing in trapeze and circus acts that will be outdoors, and the trapeze artists were here about four weeks ago scouting out a location, and we will have flying trapeze artists over the symphony. <laughs> it's going to be really cool. <laughs> I have to get crash helmets, I think, for everybody in the orchestra, so in case, no, I'm just kidding. So instead of yeah, Cirque du Soleil, it's Cirque du Symphony. Yep, yeah. <laughs> and then we've got uh, Rachmaninoff as a pianist, and, and he's celebrating 150 years, so there'll be a, a concert with Rachmaninoff. Um, Christmas is going to be Christmas in the movie, so movies that um, were popular around Christmas time. We're going to be playing music from that. Um, then we have a um, world premiere of an opera and this is an English speaking opera. It's not, you know, French or Italian or anything like that. And, uh, but that will be a world premiere here in Rome and uh, with a composer uh, Scott. And then um, Scott Thompson is going to be um, joining the orchestra and we're going to have a rock and roll country bash. And then finally in um, June, we'll have our classical, our, our, traditional concert outdoors and i think it's going to have a little bit more of a classical set to it but it'll be a small ensemble of of strings and and um maybe not the trombones and things like that but it'll be a real nice um event again with with you know beverage of choice and bring your picnic so it really does run the gamut so if somebody who buys a season yes, ticket, ticket yes they, they're going to have a different experience different. each time and we also um offer vouchers so you can buy a voucher that um 
uh, let's say a group of four. So if you wanted to bring four people to one concert, you can use it. Or if you're a single person, want to come to four out of the six. So it gives you a lot of flexibility, and that's real popular. Well, as Molly, I said we weren't going to talk about the price of houses, but I would imagine in real estate that the, the quality of life in Rome, that something like the Rome Symphony helps, would certainly help um, you know, sell homes and things like that. People coming here, the quality of life would be an attraction, would it not? Absolutely. And we um, we actually even had people who have not yet moved found out about the symphony right. and have bought season tickets already. Even and so, that. you know, folks coming from major metropolitan areas that want a little bit more of a quieter life, um, maybe some more land, to know that they still have that here, even though we have Chattanooga and Atlanta nearby, they have this here. Right. So it's been a great asset. We have a lot of people that come and say, oh, my gosh, I don't have to go to Atlanta anymore to hear a quality symphony. And the Spires is also, um, their clientele has really been appreciative of the quality of the orchestra. And uh, they bring a bus to our <laughs> concerts. <laughs> right. So so uh, season ticket sales, but yep. co- corporate sponsorships, anything corporate like that available? Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're looking for some corporate sponsors for the symphony, symphonic circus especially. So we have one on board, um, Harbin Clinic is going to be co-sponsor, so we're looking for a couple of other co-sponsors for that. So if anybody out there is interested, 291-SYMP is my number. <laughs> <laughs> there we go, or, or email or whatever. Office at romesymphony.org. Yes. Uh, uh, we were talking- Call Molly. She knows how to get a hold of me. <laughs> And, realist, or, and real, everybody has Molly's number. Yeah, say, real estate agents, they pass out their number all the time. <laughs> they just, I just, could go knock on Barb's door, too. She lives two doors down. <laughs> just go to, go to the Hardy Realty website, look under agents, and you got phone numbers all over the place. Right. Um, so, Tracy, you talked about how you guys were funded. How are you staffed? Uh, do you need volunteers or are these, is it full-time staff? Are you allowed to have volunteers because we're dealing with children? How does, how does all that work? So currently we have uh, approximately 32 staff. Um, about 20 of those are full-time and the rest are, are part-time or PRN staff. Okay. And so how does the volunteer process work? So um, we have a program coordinator who um, vets the the mentors um, or volunteers. What we're really looking for right now is is mentors. We would like to have each of our kids have one mentor so they can get that individualized attention um, because it's hard when you have you know two staff members and you know ten kids. So. Ref- uh, we might have touched on this earlier. Are these kids transitioning from foster homes to foster homes? Specifically, who are these children? So that- it it varies. Okay. Um, all all of the kids that we currently have are in foster care. Okay. Um, that could just mean that we wanted to keep them in Rome, and there wasn't a um, foster home available okay. for them. Okay. Or um, maybe their needs are a little bit more than a foster parent can handle, and so they come come to us for that as well. And you mentioned when the job opened up, you were intrigued by it mm-hmm. because it's, you said it was a perfect fit for you. Why? Um, so I, I've had experience working in child welfare. Um, my previous employer, we um, were an organization that uh, recruited and vetted foster homes. And so um, I think in the I probably have 15, 20 years of um, child welfare experience. Um, also strategic planning and just, um, 
all about children and families. And um, again, knowing the reputation of the organization, um, I I just felt it was um, a good fit. Yeah. Go ahead, Molly. And they have great counseling services in-house, too. I don't know if that's made up of part of the staff or is that auxiliary on? Um, It used to be contracted. We have a clinical director who used to work for a different organization, and through a grant, we were able to contract services with her. Um, But last year, thankfully, we were able to bring her on full-time, and so she is a (laughs) 24-7, she is always on call, and she loves it. Like, these kids are her angel babies, as she refers to them, uh, even though they're 15, 16, and they love her. And so we always know that if we start having issues or if any of the kids start having issues, that they can call her and she will just come and meet with them. And it's it's valuable to have somebody constant in their lives. And that's what's great about the home is it's constant. And many of these children have not have have not had consistency in a safe place. Right. Yeah. So what well like what are their various backgrounds? I guess it could run the gamut, could it not? Um yeah, it's um all of these kids have uh suffered from some type of traumatic event. Um and the reasons that they are in the home is not any reasons that they did, but it was um their parents needed some extra help and so they're all victims of abuse and or neglect. Um, and so when we're dealing with them, we have to realize that, um, these kids come from hard places. And so we have to approach them in a, we use, uh, trust-based relational interventions. And so we really want to connect with them. We want to normalize a very unnormal situation for a teenager. Um, and so, um, just building those relationships, engaging with the kids, having fun, playing, um, even though they're teenagers and we have to pull them away from their rooms and their cell phones. Um, their screens. Yes. Yeah. We we still, you know, we want to engage with them constantly. Even something as normal as most of us would call normal, just having a family new movie night. Um, Hardy was gracious last summer to do a movie night for both the boys and girls homes where we rented a movie and we had food and that thing. And it was something that they, some of them have never done. Wow. You know, just watching a movie with your friends or your family, you know, that's their family now in the homes. So just things that we might not think about every day. So just a call to action if anybody's listening and thinks of anything they might want to do to help just kind of have some normalcy that we might have had. It'd be awesome. So it's hard enough being a kid anyway. Right. But when you're a kid with that much, with, with baggage like that to deal with. So... From your organization standpoint, it's not just about providing the service of a roof over the head and food in the belly. You're dealing with the psychology of it. Absolutely. And how do you guys handle that yourselves? It's um, it's hard work dealing yeah. with um, any teenager, much less one that comes from some of the backgrounds that they come from. Um, as I mentioned before, we we try to normalize it as as much as we can. They can personalize their rooms. Um, they have jobs. They go to public schools. Um, they go to prom. They go to prom, which we have uh, one graduate this year, and she will be attending prom Saturday. And so um, she's going, you know, to get her hair and nails done this afternoon. And so, um, it, you know, 
it's it's all about making sure that, as Molly had said, that they know that we're the safe place. Um, sometimes that comes with we're the ones who get all of the the negative pieces of it too, because they know they can come to us and um, be teenagers. So it's it's stability and consistency. Yes, um, which many of them have never had. Yes. Wow. Um, so what do you need? What do you need from our listeners? Um, we're always in need of monetary donations. We have a what we call the Happy Days Fund, uh, which is all about recreation. And so for these kids to go to Six Flags, bowling, skating, um, any of those, um, quote, normal activities that kids like to do, um, we try to do uh, at least – Monthly, we have an activities committee that we just do different things with. Um, they love fast food. Um, and, um, it, you know, it costs a lot of money to to run two big homes and then two smaller homes as well. And so um, even though we have the contracts and the, the grants, it's uh, sometimes difficult to, to make sure that we're able to provide the, the kids with the, the stuff outside of the home. And we also have our um, yearly fundraiser, which is Clubs and Clays, an event that we do at Barnsley every year. Um, and it's November Friday. 4th. Yes, Friday, November the 4th. We've had great sponsors in the past and great teams where they um, do some skeet shooting in the morning and then they play golf in the afternoon. And that raises a lot of money. And yeah. we doubled our money last year. Yes, it was and amazing. It goes all straight to the home. So yes. that's just, I know that's so far off, but. Another thing, too. Never never too late to plan. Well, any final thoughts? Anything you want to make sure that you get out there for our listeners to, to know about the organization or what they can do to help? Or contact information, website, things like that? So our website is www.opendoorhome.com.org. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, but uh, we're going to go through a rebrand soon um, because if you look at our website, as you said you did, you probably saw little babies and said <laughs> our needs were diapers. Um, throughout the years, the state has changed where they only want to place kids over the age of 12. And so we want to be reflective of the population that we currently serve. Um, so we're going through um, the rebranding and just kind of modernize our logo and all of those good things. Um, but we also are very active on our social media. So our Facebook page is still Open Door Children's Home. Um, uh, so you can look on there. We will do small ask, like for Six Flags tickets, or um, we put an ask out for our young lady that's attending prom on Saturday, and she we were able to raise a lot of money and get everything that she needs for prom to make it memorable for her. Um, so people can certainly follow to engage on, a, on their social media platforms. And you said it's opendoorhome.org. Yes. Just want to make sure about that. And uh, are you going to leave the, when you rebrand and when you redo the website, are you going to leave the prohibition story on there? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Because <laughs> uh, it was just interesting. Both organizations today, Molly, are so entrenched in the community for a long time. You know, sometimes we have businesses or organizations that come in here and they're brand new or, or uh, you know, they've been around a few years. But, my gosh, you guys have been vital forever. Yes. Um, so there's I, – I guess you guys take pride in that history and tradition, huh? Absolutely. Um, 
And what about success stories? Uh, of course, you've only been around for two or three years, but um, you know, what do you can you tell us about some of the success stories where these people become active and, and good citizens and young adults and things like that? So, um, on our Facebook page, we have people who come back and say, "Oh, I stayed at the home. I'm doing this, you know, well." Um, and it, it's always amazing to hear. Um, I, I received a phone call a few months ago from someone who stayed during the 40s um, and wanted just to say how much I appreciated being here. It's it's amazing. Wow. Um, so last year we had three graduates, um, and uh, one of those graduates uh, decided to stay in care, and she lives in our independent living program home, um, and so she lives there by herself. We help support her. Um, while she works and goes to school. And it's kind of a graduated to where we help support her for a year, and then she takes on a small percentage. Um, So if you think about when you turn 18, who do you have to support you? Um, Kids that don't stay in care who decide to sign themselves out is just they're out there. And so we are very proud of that program and hope to have a few more come in um, this month, actually, so so that that it's basically kind of a transition into adulthood, mm-hmm. um, because yeah, so eighteenth birthday you could be on your own, yeah, um, but at least y'all offer another path possibly to to kind of help get on the feet. I, that's good. That's good to know. Uh, any final thoughts, Molly, from you? No, just thank you so much for spotlighting um, both Open Door Home and the Rooms of New Orchestra. That, that's all on you, Molly. <laughs> that's that's on you and Hardy Realty. Uh, so, as always, we want to thank Hardy Realty for their support of uh, Rome Business Radio and for supporting all of the good things that go on in the community, which is what this show is all about. Molly, if somebody wants to buy or sell a house, what's your contact information? <laughs> okay. Well, my name is Molly Kelly Steves, and my number is 706 506 Four one zero five, or my email is Molly dot Steves S T E V E S at Hardy or you can just call the main number at Hardy Realty, and they all know where I am. <laughs> <laughs> You're out buying and selling a house, or doing a podcast. Well, thank you guys so much. This has been great. You've been listening to the Hardy Realty Show. This is Rome Business Radio, and we broadcast from the Hardy Realty Studios, and we work in cooperation with the Rome News Tribune. Thank you for listening.